here, if this is your first time visiting with us, hey, I'm Wesley, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you chose to join us here on this Labor Day uh, weekend. Hey, last week we, uh, we wrapped up a, um, a series that we were in called CrossFit, right? And so we were really talking about how the cross makes us fit for everyday life, right? How there's power in the cross upon which Jesus Christ died, and that there's ways that that power is available to us. And so for four weeks, we studied the scriptures, and we wrestled with them, and we tried to understand how we can live in the power of God. And this week, I had several discussions uh, with different people about how, um, how the spiritual life, living as a follower of Jesus Christ, and how growing spiritually is so much like actual fitness right it's so much like if it, you have to sacrifice right you got to make time you got to sacrifice you got to lift some heavy weights or do some hard work right you got to commit and stick with it but ultimately the gains that we see the result that we see is is worth it and so um last week we wrapped up that series and i was challenging you guys to stick with this spiritual fitness right to work out and give your time and attention to god and then this week uh we, we got a, a a bunch of boxes i don't know if you saw them when you were coming in but just donated to the church a bunch of boxes of of pull-up bars right the the -the over-the-door pull-up bars i don't know if you've seen those but you can hang them over your door in your house um and you can do pull-ups there in your house and get fit and then we got a bunch of exercise balls too the big ones that you blow up that you can do sit-ups on and different kind of exercises with we got a a whole lot of those back there um and so grab one of those on your way out grab uh, a pull-up bar and an exercise ball Um, Because we got a lot of them, right? Uh, Use them, right, for physical fitness. Because we looked at that scripture, right, in Timothy, where it says for physical fitness is of some value. It is a value. And that's, you know, God is, you know, he's saying physical fitness is of some value. Yeah, do that. Um, But godliness has value for all things. And so we want to be physically fit and we want to work on that. So grab those, use them, work on becoming physically fit. But also let them remind you um, that it's what is value for long past uh, our lives beyond this earth is spiritual fitness. And so, uh, so work on that as well. Well, this morning is Family Sunday. Um, and so kids, we welcome you upstairs today. Welcome, welcome. We're glad that you joined us uh, up here. It's, it, we do Family Sunday. It's the uh, fifth Sunday. So whenever there's a fifth Sunday that walk, rolls around, we love to give our uh, volunteers that work downstairs a break down there and give them opportunity to come upstairs and, and welcome our kids up into the service. And th- this morning, we're beginning um, a, a new series of sort. It's not really a series. It's, it's sort of a series. We're just looking at stories in the Bible, right? There's all kinds of stories in the Bible. The Bible's filled with stories. Now, some of them are very popular, right? You you may have heard them from the time you were a child and over and over again. And then some of them are a little more obscure and you might have never heard before. Some of them they've actually made movies over, like Moses that we'll be looking at today and and the story of Noah, that story they've made a movie over recently. So some of these stories have become very popular. And in fact, if you can read them, and I I learned this key back a long time ago when when I began trying to read the scriptures and, and understand them. But if you can read them with your imagination open wide, if you can do that, these stories come alive, right? You don't have to watch a movie, but if you can read them with their, your imagination, not as a, as a, uh, not as a textbook, right? Um, not as something that you're forced to read, but read them with your imagination open wide, and, and, and they come alive. And so the question we're going to be asking in this series, throughout this entire series, is, is what is it, what's the practical takeaway from these stories? What is it that we can learn from these stories that we can apply to our everyday life? So we're going to be in this series for at least 
uh, at least four weeks, unless I get carried away uh, telling stories, right? Because some of these stories are pretty, pretty fantastic. And it's hard to narrow them down to just one or two or three or four. But so at least four weeks, uh, unless we're really getting into this and, and then we can continue it or, or we can take a break. And this can be stories part one, right? And we'll come back to it and do stories uh, part two and, and maybe more than that. Um, so, so this morning we're beginning that, that series. We're going to begin with uh, Jamie Stovall is going to come up and she's going to tell us the story of Moses. And so come on up, Jamie. And, I, and the kids are going to come up as well, but um, maybe wait for some instructions from Jamie as to how that's going to play out. <laughs> Good morning. I'm Jamie Stovall. I need all of the kids in here um, to come sit up on the stage with me. Can you do that? Come on. And we'll make kind of a big circle because that'll make it easier for me to see all your beautiful and handsome faces. I'm so excited. I thought with Labor Day we might have like five kids. And like there's more than the Stovall family. So that's awesome. (laughs) I'm excited because I get to tell you a little story about Moses before Mr. Wesley gets to tell the grown-ups. And y'all have some awesome coloring sheets related to the story of Moses that you're going to get to work on while he's telling his story. Come on, Braden. Who likes stories in here? Raise your hand. I love stories. When you go in my house, I have books in one room and books in another room and just books everywhere because we love stories. And there are lots of stories, like Mr. Wesley said, in the Bible that kind of help us learn how to live. One of the coolest things I ever learned about the Bible, though, is that it's one big love story. Does that gross y'all out when you think about love stories? Only this is a love story from God to us. And one of the things I learned, I was a grown-up before I learned this, is that we're part of this story. Do you know where our story starts? Right here at the end, very back of the Bible, where the Bible stops. We're the continuation of the story in the Bible. And we've got lots of good examples of what God wanted us to be like in the Bible. And the one we're going to talk about today is about Moses. Now, I really love this book. This is one of our Bibles. We have like 10 at home because we have all different kinds to help us study the Bible. But sometimes with all the words that it has and all the stories, it can be a little confusing and can be a little hard to understand. So we have other books in our house too, like this one, that tell us the story in a way that's easier for us to understand so we don't get so confused. And this is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. I love this. This is my favorite kid resource. If you don't have it, you should get it. Great story. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of Moses, a little bit about Moses out of this book. Now, Moses lived 120 years. Do any of you know somebody who's 120 years old? I don't. The oldest person in my house is 37. (laughs) We're far from 120. So do you think maybe in 120 years you can get a lot done in 120 years? That's a long time. So Moses did so much in the Bible. He did so much that there's a verse, there's a couple of verses in the Bible that say this about Moses. This is in Deuteronomy. This is the fifth of the first five books of the Bible. And they're really important and special because it tells us how to live. And it tells us about Moses. It took four books to tell us about Moses. He did so much for God's kingdom. It took four books. And at the very end, it says this, Joseph, listen, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and with all his servants in his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. So he did a lot. He did a whole lot. 
What do you know about Moses already? Raise your hand if you can tell me something you know about Moses. Ezra? He was what? He was, he was pretty strong. He had to carry these huge giant stone tablets in the Bible down from a mountain. Like, you have to be strong to do that. Yes, Andrew? He was born, he, close. He might not have been born in a basket, but what did his mom do right after he was born? Put him in the basket. And she had to send him away down the river so he wouldn't be drowned in the Nile River. The Pharaoh that was in charge then was mean. He didn't want the Hebrew people to grow big and strong, so he wanted to get rid of all the baby boys because boys grow to be big and strong. So his mother hid him in the reeds and put him down the river, and someone found him to care for him later. What else do we know about Moses? You're right. He struck a rock. What happened when he struck the rock? Do you remember? With a staff. With a staff. And what came out? Water. Water. What story do you know about Moses? Really old? Do you remember what I just said? That's right, 120. Thomas, what do you know about Moses? Well, when he got him down the river from a mountain, so then he grew up to, to Moses, so then they named him Moses, so then he was strong. Yes, he was named Moses because he was in the water. Now, Moses, PJ, do you have something about Moses? Do you remember do you remember the story about the sea and what happened when Moses was crossing the sea? What did God do to the water? Do you remember? He right he started in the water in the basket and then he walks through the water as a grown up to lead the Israelites to safety. So many amazing things. Like we could sit here all day and then Mr. Wesley wouldn't have a turn and that wouldn't be nice. So I'm going to go ahead and share you a story from my favorite storybook about Moses and one of the stories that probably can be most helpful to us about Moses. Now Moses got these big tablets up on the mountain and what was on those big tablets? Do you remember Ezra? They were rocks, but something was written on the rocks. The 10 commandments. Okay. Now the Israelites were fleeing slavery in Egypt. They were going to the promised land, but they needed some rules. Don't they? Do we have rules? And what are rules for? For listening, because what do they do for us? Do they keep us safe? Yes. And why do mommies and daddies give us rules? We need to follow and they want to keep us safe and because they love us, right? They are very concerned for our well-being. So God gave the Israelites rules. Y'all put your hands down and I'm going to tell you about the rules, okay? So the reason I really like this book is it talks about the rules, but it doesn't make a huge big deal out of each single rule because it's got something more important than that. Look at this cool picture. Isn't that beautiful? What do you see in that picture? Lightning. 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 Somebody on a rock. Yeah, he's got something in his hand. Do you think Wesley could preach on top of a mountain with lightning and not sweat? No, it's a lightning storm. I think. Yes, the lights would go out. Now, he didn't have lights, but I think Wesley might get a little scared if our lights went out. What do you think? So I'm going to read a little bit to you about these rules because it wasn't just about the rules. That's not why it was important. God called Moses up the mountain. The great mountain shook. 
a cloud fell, thunder roared, lightning crackled, and God gave Moses ten rules called commandments. I want you to love me more than anything else in all the world and know that I love you too, God told them. That's the most important thing of all. God gave them other rules, like don't make yourselves pretend gods, don't kill people or steal or lie. The rules showed God's people how to live and how to be close to him and how to be happy. They showed how life worked best. God promises to always look after you, Moses said. Will you love him and keep these rules? We can do it. Yes, we promise, we promise. Do you tell your parents that sometimes? Yes, I'll follow the rules, I'll follow the rules. But they were wrong. Are you sometimes wrong? Do you break the rules sometimes? They couldn't do it. No matter how hard they tried, they could never keep God's rules all the time. But God knew they couldn't, and he wanted them to know it too. Only one person could keep all the rules. And many years later, God would send him to stand in their place and be perfect for them. Who do you think that is? Moses. Not Moses. God. Ezra? Jesus. Jesus. Very good. Because the rules couldn't save them. Only God could save them. Those rules your parents give you are important to keep you safe. But you need your parents to help you do them, don't you? You need, you need them to remind you of the rules, don't you? And we need to be good listeners and we need to try really hard. But we need to know that even when we break the rules sometimes, our parents still love us. Just like God still loves us. Even Moses, when he was called by the fiery burning bush to follow God and do what God wanted him to do. Even he was like, I don't know, God. I don't know if I can do that. I'm scared. And God said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you always. And God walked alongside Moses and he, he rescued free the Israelites with Moses' help. That's what you get a chance to be because remember, your story starts at the end of the Bible. Your story started the day you were born and you get to help other people be free by teaching them about who Jesus is, by telling them who it is that makes you so happy in your life. By telling them that rules are there for your safety and to keep you from harm. Today, we're going to listen to Mr. Wesley tell the grown-up version of Moses. And it's going to sound a little different than mine. And it's not going to have all these pretty pictures. But you guys are going to have a clipboard to take to your seat with some coloring sheets and some activity sheets to help you keep focused on what he's saying and to help you be a little bit entertained while he's saying it because he doesn't use the pictures that I use. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much for being good listeners. If you'll stand up, be very careful when you go down the stairs. I don't want anybody tumbling. Grab a clipboard with a picture. (laughs) All right, thank you, Jamie, for that story. Um, Moses' story is one of those stories, right? It's so memorable for us. And if you've heard it before, there's so many different areas and parts of that story about what God did and how God did it. And I love this story because it's encouraged encouraged me during difficult times in my life. And we'll see today during the message that it encouraged other people during difficult times in their lives as well. All right, so let's pray and then we'll get into our message for this morning. God, we give you thanks this morning that you've given us this story of Moses, right? That you've allowed this story to be passed down from generation to generation. And now it finds itself in our hands. 
And so, God, as this story rests in our hands, God, may we read it so that it might rest in our hearts. And as it rests in our hearts, God, may it empower us to be the people that you're calling us to be. So, God, we thank you for the scriptures, and we ask that you help us with them today. And it's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so when we read this story of Moses, one of the things that comes uh, strikingly clear is that Moses was born during a difficult time in Israelite history. If you're familiar with the story, right in Exodus chapter 1, you get this story beginning to play out, right? It comes out of Genesis where the Israelites um, were, were, uh, were growing, the, the, the nation was growing, the people were strong, they had all that they wanted, they had all the food and all their needs were met. But then when we pick this story up, in Israel, in, in um, Exodus, it says that the new Pharaoh or a new king had come in charge of all of Egypt, right? And he had forgotten who the Israelites were. And in fact, he didn't care anything about them, right? And so he began to enslave them because they were doing so well as a people, right? If they were multiplying and having children, there were so many of them. He began to enslave them and force them to build things that they knew they would never get to enjoy. And so all over Egypt were all these buildings and structures that the Israelites built with their hands, with the strength of their backs, right? And they knew they would never have an opportunity to enjoy those things. And so Moses was born in the midst of this time, right in the middle of it, when all this different difficulty is going on. And when Moses was born, it was a difficult time because Pharaoh was trying to get rid of all the baby boys. And so, yeah, that's why the the basket in the water where his mother hid him. And and God was there in his life from from stage to stage to stage. You know, the thing I love about about the scriptures, and I challenge you to go back and read the book of Exodus and read it slowly, read it with your imagination open and begin asking questions because there's a lot of questions to be asked there. But read this story because we see very clearly Clearly, the way God's hand was on Moses' life from the very beginning. Now, the thing I want to challenge you as well is that when you read that story, don't be, don't give into that temptation. At least this is my temptation. Don't give into that temptation to say, "Oh, that was Moses, right?" And God's hand was on Moses' life, but God couldn't be His hand couldn't be on my life in the same way. The reality is, in the scriptures, we see that God uses ordinary people for his extraordinary work. And God wants to use ordinary people for his extraordinary work today. And so if you feel kind of ordinary and it's like, yeah, I could never be a Moses. Let that scripture remind you that God's hand is on your life. And there's things that God wants to use you for. And there's things that God is raising you up to do, just as he raised up Moses. Now, the thing about this story that I found challenging throughout my life is Moses' response when God called him, because it's very similar to my response when God called me. In fact, a lot of people have this same story when God calls them to do something. Now, now, I use the word God call. Um, God's call can come through the scriptures. You could be reading the scriptures and you could read a scripture that just kind of speaks to you in a kind of way, in a way that you feel like almost like it's tugging at you to, to act and to do something. Or, or maybe you get just this impression, this sense that somebody needs your help and you want to help them some way. And you, you feel like maybe that's God that's, that's placed that in your mind. Maybe that's God that caused you to think about it. Or, or maybe you have this feeling that God wants you to uh, serve in full-time ministry and maybe go to school and seminary and, and do, do the full-time ministry and God's calling you there. Wh- whatever it is, God calls us in many different ways and God calls us to different places. And in fact, the call of God often makes us feel inadequate. 
And that's what Moses was dealing with. In fact, Moses was dealing with all this different fear and confusion and this doubt of himself. He just knew in his heart that whatever it was that God was calling him to, that he wasn't cut out for that and he wasn't going to do it. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 3. And I want to read some of these scriptures. And we'll, we'll read. I'm not sure how far we'll read, but we're, we're going to read several sections because there's this kind of interplay between this promise of God, right, and this fear that was inside of Moses, right? This promise of God, God's making these great big promises and Moses finds himself fighting with fear. Now where this story begins, where I, at least where I want to pick up is in Exodus chapter three, verse, I'm going to pick up in verse seven. It says, the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, right? So God has seen these people in slave, slavery. He sees the hard things they're going through and the trouble that they're facing in life. He saw all this. And then look down in verse 10, where it says, so now go, he's talking to Moses. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now listen to Moses' response. Now, God said this. God can do it. God wants to do it. Moses wants it done. And you would think maybe, just maybe, he would say, all right, God, I'm on my way. You're going to do this through me. I'm, I'm on board. Right? But look at what Moses says. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's the beginning of that voice of doubt coming up inside of him. He's like, I don't know about this guy. I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you um, that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So God sets a marker and says, hey, remember this place because I'm going to prove myself to you here. What you doubted I was able to do, I'm going to do it. Right. And then Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? Right. It's almost like excuse after excuse. Moses has something to say back to God every time God says something to him. And I've been at that place in my life. I'm like, God, you got to be you got to be. Um, look at verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you, right? So you would think that got it, right? When he says, I am who I am, he's saying, I'm whatever you need, right? As you go and do this, I'm going to be whatever you need. Don't worry about it. Stop these excuses. Essentially, that's what God is saying. Stop these excuses because whatever you say, I can be what you need. But then in, in chapter four, look at what it says, right? At the very beginning, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord says, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And what did he do? He ran from it. Uh, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his, and took hold of the, uh, the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, appear to you, right? So God proved himself. He said, listen, this is what I can do, what no one else can do. And then listen to Moses' comeback in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor have I spoke, nor, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue, right? Excuse after excuse after excuse, right? The Lord said to him, who gives humans their mouth, right? Uh, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or, or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. 
But then, you know, Moses has one more comeback. And listen to what he says. But Moses said, pardon your servant. Lord, please send someone else. At this point, Moses is begging, right? It's like, God, come on. I've tried every way I know to get out of this. Could you please? You've got all these people, right? And you're telling me you can't find one more person who's more qualified than I am. And God doesn't, it's not that God couldn't find one more person that was more qualified. But it's as we said before, God does not call the qualified, but God qualifies those he calls. And so God knew that he had the ability, the power to use Moses. And in fact, he wanted to show himself strong and powerful because he used Moses. That people would say from today and from generation to generation, that guy who was slow of speech, who couldn't get his words out, God used him powerfully. That guy that was terribly afraid and didn't know what to do and would uh, paralyze himself by his fear. God used him. God wanted to use Moses to accomplish his will. God uses imperfect people always for his perfect plan. And so this story is an incredible story because God helped Moses fight his fear. In fact, Moses became one of the heroes of our faith and not the kind of hero that we think of because whenever you look at media or TV or something like that, what's the hero, right? The hero has a big S on his chest, right? He's Superman. He's never afraid. He's always bold. He's always confident in himself, right? You look at these heroes of history and they come off as appearing as the most confident people we know. And sometimes we think in the back of our heads, if only I could just be like that, right? If only I could have that kind of confidence. If only I could feel God calling me to something and I just run full speed ahead into it. But that's just not the way it plays out in my life, right? I get a little nervous, a little intimidated, a little, uh, I begin feeling unqualified. I convince myself that I can't do it. I, I can't see all the reasons why I can't. And in fact, I can't see any of the reasons why I can. Um, but God still wants to use you. Now, this story of Moses has encouraged generation upon generation. And one of the men, great heroes of, of our history, um, that this story encouraged in particular was the story of Martin Luther King. He always was comparing himself to Moses, right? It was almost as though he saw Moses' life being lived out through his life. Right. Constantly, he saw the way that God called Moses to free a people. He saw that very same thing beginning to play out in his own life. In fact, there was one speech. I think I, yeah, I wrote down a part of it um, right here. One of his actually is the speech before he was assassinated. So it was the last speech he ever got, the last time he ever stood up before people and spoke. And listen to what he says. I just want you to hear this. He says, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And so Martin Luther King stood boldly before these people and uses that analogy of the promised land. He says, we've gotten to the top of the mountain and we've looked over. We've seen the promised land. If you're not familiar with that, that language, that speech in the scriptures, the Israelites got to the top of the mountain and they saw the land that God was carrying them to. He carried them out of slavery in Egypt and he was carrying them to a place, right? 
a place that he promised for them. And that was the promised land. And that was promised to them. And so they got there and they stood on the mountaintop before they got to go in. And Moses stood there and he saw it. And then the terrible thing is Moses didn't make it to the promised land. And almost in a prophetic way, Martin Luther King says, here we stand at the top of the mountaintop looking over into the promised land. I may not make it with you. And he didn't make it. You see, the story of Moses replays itself out in history. In fact, Martin Luther King, just like Moses, outwardly led boldly. He led with confidence. He led with assurance. But I was, I was um, almost dumbfounded. A couple of years ago, I read the autobiography of Martin Luther King. And if you've never read it, it's a great book to read. Now, it was, it's called Autobiography. It wasn't written by Martin Luther King. Um, it was um, a, a uh, Claiborne Carson, uh, editor actually, took all his journals, the King Papers, took his journals and his writing and his diaries and some videos, and he composed his autobiography, and he presented it to Coretta Scott King, and she said, that's exactly how this story played out, so it's written in first person. But when you read this, you learn from Martin Luther King's journals that he dealt with fear, right? He dealt with doubt. There were times that he was terribly afraid, There were times that he began to question himself and doubt whether or not he could go forward with what God had called him to do. He, just like Moses, was terrified. But in the midst of his fear, he chose to act on his faith. In the middle of his fear, he chose to act on his faith. That's where we have to get in our lives. We have to get to this point where we can say, God, I'm afraid of this. God, this is not what I expected myself to be doing. God, this is not what I'm equipped for. This is not the work that I felt like I would put my hands to. Right? This is not what I expected to be having to deal with on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. I just wanted to go to work, get my job done, go home, go to... It's Monday morning, God. There's times that we feel that we just aren't ready or aren't equipped. And often that's a sign that that's the very thing that God has called you to. At least that's the way it's played out in my life, right? And I say, be attuned to the way things are playing out in your life. Because the things that I say, never me, God, right? I would never stand before people and speak, right? I I would never do this. Those are often signs that that's exactly what God wants to do. Because if God's only using you with for what you're good at, what you're naturally equipped to do, there's nothing amazing about God who does what you're able to do by your own power. But there's a God who's able to do things that you can't do by your own power. And when we get that, it bursts our imagination wide open. And we say, God, what will you use me for tomorrow? What will you use me for next week? God, how would you use me today? Because the reality is God wants to use us in incredible and powerful ways. And we have to get ourselves out of that box of limitation where we say, God will use me this way, this way, this way, and this way. But I'm not stepping out of this box because God can't use me that way because I don't feel, I don't feel ready. I'm afraid. I don't feel equipped. And God wants us to step out of that box, to face our fear, to deal with it, to deal with the doubt, to deal with the struggle, and to do his will.
And so this morning, I just really want to go through three different ways that we see uh, in, in the book of Exodus that, that Moses began dealing with his fear and how this, uh, this began to play out in his life. And so we have three points for you this morning. And I think we have the first point. We'll throw it up there on the screen. <laughs> they're, they're, okay, so, so I, I, don't, I don't know the point. It's going to be up there on the screen. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> so uh, there, there, there's three ways, and they'll get it in a second, that, that God helped Moses to begin walking through challenging times um, and, and began to, to deal with his fear and to begin to walk in the ways that God called him to walk. And I believe that if we are able to take a step back, we're able to see ways that we can deal with our fear, we can face it through the struggle, and we can walk in this new way of life as well. You see, the first thing I want you to see is that our fears do not disqualify us, right? The first thing, thanks, uh, you know, thanks for technology, right? I need a teleprompter back here. That would be very helpful for me. Um, <clears throat> Uh, if anybody has one just laying around, just bring it, install it. That would be nice. All right, the first thing we, we, we got to see is that our fears do not disqualify us. In fact, it's human nature to be afraid. And, and I think we could even say that God placed fear in our lives. He wired us that way as a way of protecting ourselves and defending ourselves. A person who's not afraid of anything is going to do some pretty foolish things, right? Fear keeps us from the foolish often. And so God has wired us that way. And so we got to realize that we look out in these stories in history, Moses, Abraham. I mean, you can run through it. Noah, Jonah, you could you could go from story to story. You have person after person who was afraid and felt unqualified for the work that God was calling them to do. Right. And so our fears do not disqualify us because history teaches us that God has used those who were afraid. In fact, God has used those who have run from him. Those who have said, God, this is what you're calling me to do. Well, I'm going this way. That happened over and over again in history. And God relentlessly pursued these people. And when they gave in to God's will, they did incredible, incredible things. And so we see over and over again that our fears do not disqualify us. So never think that because you're afraid that you're disqualified from the work that God has called you to do. Never count yourself out, but say, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I remember, and I don't know whether I've told this story, but I remember and will never forget the day that I felt that God was calling me to ministry. I was at the point where I felt God was calling me this way, and I said, God, I'm going that way. I'm walking away. And it was almost like... Um, I mean, it, was, it wasn't I didn't feel a hand or anything like that, but it was almost like a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around and I said, God, I'm giving you one more chance, right? Uh, you got you to gotta prove yourself to me and I'll go where you want, to, want me to go. And, and, and from that day forward, God began making the scriptures come alive and God began to do a work in my life. God began to transform me from a guy that was terribly afraid of standing up here before people to one that can get up here and speak his word. And God has done incredible things in my life and it began with one small yes right will you give god that one small yes maybe tomorrow maybe tuesday will you give god that one small yes and then the next one and then the next one and then the next one god will take you on an exciting journey and he will do incredible things with your life but the first thing is you have to realize that your fear does not disqualify you. Do not disqualify yourself because you are experiencing fear. 
The second thing I want you to see is that we must exercise our faith. Right? Time and time and again, we, this is starting to come up in the CrossFit series. And I'm telling you, we're going to see this on until the end of the year, right? That, that, that physical fitness, right? That this walk with God is so much like exercise. We must exercise our faith. Exercise is like a muscle, right? You got to use it or you're going to lose it, right? If you're not using that, that muscle of faith, you're going to lose it. But as you use it, what happens? It gets stronger and it gets stronger and it gets stronger. It begins with trusting God with this one thing. And then you're trusting God with the next thing. And the next thing, you know, you're trusting God with everything, right? And you've given it all over to him and said, God, use me for your will. But you got to use that muscle of faith. That's what we see in the story of Moses. It began with all these excuses, all this fear. God, never me. I'll never be there. You'll never use me like that. But I want to jump a little bit ahead in the story in Exodus chapter 14. And I just want to read this one section and just listen to what, what Moses says. This is in Exodus 14. And this is, let me just give a little bit of context. Um, they're, they're, uh, they, so Moses went to Pharaoh, the king, right? And he said, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh said, no. And Moses said, let my people go. At this point, he's like, God, see, I told you, he's not doing it. And God began to do all these uh, miracles through Moses. And, and through a course of events, you can read it. It's not very long, Exodus uh, chapter 1 through 12 or so. Um, uh, God lets the people go. But then after he lets uh, Pharaoh lets the people go and then after he lets them go, he changes his mind and begins to pursue them. Now, I want you to get this scene when Pharaoh lets them go. We're talking about millions of people, right? We're not talking about 100. We're not talking about 10, 20, 30, 100. We're talking about millions of people. The scripture says there were 600,000 men and that's not including the children. Right. The estimates, the lowest estimate begins at about two million and they go up into four or five, six million because a family would have had maybe four or five kids at that time, maybe even a little bit more at that time. And now they have one point five on average, two point one or something like that. Um, we, we don't have that many kids like we did in biblical times. But at that time, people had lots of kids. So you had all these kids, all these um, um, women that, that were married to the men and all these families. And, and here they are leaving uh, Egypt. And babies and with their stuff and they're not going very far. And here comes Pharaoh and his army on chariots and they get to the Red Sea and the army of Pharaoh is behind them and the sea is before them. And a couple are like, I can swim. But the rest of them are like, I'm not leaving my children behind. And uh, and they began to doubt and they began to have fear. And Moses, the man who was before the king of fear, but now has been walking with the Lord for a good amount of time now, speaks up. And listen to what he says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, right? This is Moses, the king of fear, right? The one who struggled with fear more than just about anyone else. He says to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. That's not the same as do nothing. You need only to be still. You need only to trust God. 
And so here we have Moses, and we've seen that as he exercised his faith, as he did what God called him to do and saw God doing incredible things through him, that he grew stronger and he began to encourage the next generation to faith as well. And so the second thing I want you to see is that we must exercise our faith. The third thing and final thing I want you to see is that the power of fear is only diffused through a life of prayer. That a power of fear is only diffused through a life of prayer. You see, in this life, and, and this is, these, are the, these are the prayers, um, well, let me, let me say this. These are the prayers that I find myself wanting to do from time to time. It's when I find myself in an emergency, right, and things have gotten beyond my control, right? This thing is spiraling out of control, and I'm praying to God, you know, uh, as much as I can. Well, I'm finding myself on my knees. I'm, uh, I, I take my pillow off the bed, and I put it there so my knees don't start hurting. And I'm praying as hard as I can because I find myself in trouble, and I can't get myself out of this trouble that I'm in. I've tried and tried and tried and can't get myself out of this trouble. And now I'm praying to God like it's nobody else's business, right? I'm in the closet. Um, praying, that is. I'm in the closet praying. And... Uh, And I'm praying and I'm praying and then I'm reminded that God doesn't want one who prays when they need something. God wants one that has a relationship with him and is talking to him and is praying to him over and over again. God wants us to pursue a relationship with him. And so the power of fear isn't diffused by a prayer. uh, Oh, God, get me out of this situation prayer. But the power of fear is diffused by a life of prayer. When we find ourselves praying day upon day upon day, we find ourselves working harder to be intentional in prayer and to talk to God and to lay out our concerns at his feet and say, God, this is what I'm trusting you with today. And as we exercise that faith by trusting God day upon day, our faith grows and the power of fear is diffused in our life. You see, we see in the story of Moses that Moses grew in his faith and he became more dependent upon God because he knew the life that he found himself in after he began to follow God, that the life that he found himself in, he could not do alone. Now, I want to close with this scripture in Exodus chapter 33 because it points directly to where Moses had grown to. Right. God grabbed him, grabbed him, literally grabbed hold of his life in a place where he felt inadequate and he felt like there was no way that he could do God's work. But then when we get closer to the end of the book of Exodus and closer to the end of this story of Moses, we see that he was confident if one thing happened and look in Exodus chapter 33, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this, that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us. Do not send us up from here. How will people know or anyone know that you are pleased with me 
and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. You see, Moses had worked on his life of prayer and he knew God intimately. He knew God deeply. His faith had grown strong. And towards the end of his life, we hear this this call of Moses out to God. Don't send me unless you're going with me. I don't want to go unless you're going with me. And that's what must become that. That's what must become our call out to God. God, I can't do it. I am inadequate. There's no way you're going to use me. I'm not going. There's no way I'm, I'm capable. I'm not going unless you will use me. I, I'm not, it's not possible unless you go with me. You see, a life of faith is about walking into this place of dependency upon God, which makes us nervous because all of life is about becoming independent. But when we become dependent upon God, God raises up heroes of the faith. People who from generation to generation will inspire others. And so I ask you, will you allow yourself to be raised up as a hero of the faith? So that the generation that's coming after you will look at you and say, if God could use her, if God could use him, surely he can use me. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning for the work that you've done in human beings. God, I thank you that you've chosen to work in this way. That we, your people, could be used for your work. That the impossible is made possible. That the thing that scares us most becomes the thing that we find ourselves giving our lives to pursue. God, I thank you that you used Moses in spite of all his excuses, that you didn't just get frustrated with him and turn your back on him, but you chose to use him. And so, God, I pray that there will come a time in our life when our excuses will run out and we'll find ourselves running full force into the work of God. So, God, may today be the day that our excuses run out that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And that as we do that, the next generation finds inspiration in the thing that you used us to do. God, we give ourselves to that. We give ourselves to your work. Use us, God. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.